1: My good friend, Dave Zanotti, Uh, you know, Dave, we talked earlier this week on that most unbelievable precedent setting of really unprecedented move of the raid on Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump's residence in South Florida, where the FBI and the DOJ uh, put together a very orchestrated raid on a former president that has never been done before. And now trying to figure out what in the world, all of this conference that has just happened with Merrick Garland, the head of the DOJ, and its implications where they are distancing what happened with the DOJ and the FBI from the White House. These are incredible times, my friend. So with all of that as an introduction, welcome back once again to my show. Mike, it's a privilege to be with you, and we've received so many... um,
0: Notes of appreciation for the last conversation that we had from around the country uh, because we're approaching this together from a nonpartisan perspective. And I want to set that up not just to define the work of the American Policy Roundtable and the public square, but also the Shepherd Radio Network. Um, you guys are not carrying the water for any politician, uh, you, you are not in line with an empire of dark money contributors. You're trying to spread the light as best you can, and we're trying to do the same thing as well. Now, because we're a public policy organization, we're much more pronounced in this uh, in that we actually have a doctrine, a doctrine that we call constitutional free agency. We actually believe that it is far more important for the health of our nation that we drop our involvement with political parties and certainly our affinity with political parties and begin to forward An agenda of public service for the common good, independent of all political parties, because political parties are not required for participation in the American system of government. You can serve at any level of government as a nonpartisan. You do not have to be in a political party. Uh, You can simply go and do the work and you can support people similarly. We're not calling for a third political party. The two we've got are killing us. We don't need a third one. What we need are God-fearing people who believe in the founding of America, in the Declaration, and in the Constitution, who are going to go forward and serve in public office. So our platform is that, for principle over party. So as we go into these conversations, uh, some of the stuff I know we're going to talk about today is going to get into the realm of politics because we have been dragged there by the Attorney General of the United States. Yeah, we we didn't want to be there, right? (laughs) Right, he has dragged us here. And the premise of that is that you do not Get involved in a high-profile middle of the morning at the, you know at the, at the break of dawn, high-profile sirens wailing, flashing lights, raid of a former president's home 45 days before the election, when that former president's presence is imminently involved in a score of races across the country that are not of your political persuasion. In other words. Donald Trump is the target, and here's the premise, because the Democrat Party and the progressive money that backs the Democrat Party and the progressive agenda that backs the Democrat Party wants Donald Trump front and center. He is, in essence, their political chew toy right now, and what's being done right now is political through and through.
1: Mm -hmm. And they won't admit that, right?
0: No, they will not. They will not admit it. But the signs that people are catching up with them came out with the news conference done yesterday. With Mer- The signs of this are evident with Merrick Garland's news conference. When he admitted out loud that he signed the warrant and that the White House was not aware of what was going on and the White House issued a statement 30 minutes before Garland made the statement about the warrant that the White House didn't even know that Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States, was going to speak to the nation until 1.30 in the afternoon when he was scheduled to speak at 2.30. They're pushing out as much distance as they can because they know that the charge of this being political is indefensible. And so now Garland's going to have to take it on himself. He's going to have to own this because it
1: is blatantly political. You know, when I think of uh, that, I think of the word scapegoat, that they're just basically hanging this thing on him. And depending on how it goes now, uh, that's that's the idea, number one, if we hear that, and, and that is exactly what's happening. If that premise is correct, then that is assuming that that the public will believe their their story that they did not know. And that seems in itself implausible, does it not?
0: Well, in, in either case, it's a no-win situation. If the White House does not know what the Justice Department is doing in, regarding the prosecution of the former president of the United States, that means you have a rogue Department of Justice. If the if the Department of Justice, um, it, that, but now, of course, on the other side, if the Department of Justice is advising the presidency, then the president is going to be, Uh, going to have to defend himself on saying that he issued the order. In either case, they're both trying to protect themselves from what is indefensible. That is, this is political. Why is it political? Number one, we're talking about pieces of paper, and the Department of Justice knows exactly where they are and that they're under lock and key, and they have a paper trail of negotiations that reveals the fact that we're talking about pieces of paper. This is not uncommon for any administration. It's happened multiple times in the past. The idea that they could have accomplished the same thing with an unmarked truck, an unmarked car, two agents walking in with a warrant, and no one had to know what was going on at all. They could have accomplished exactly the same objective. They put on a political stunt Mm -hmm. for a political purpose.
1: This is really heartbreaking to see all of this because we're talking about the FBI. We're talking about the Department of Justice. And all of this is, I believe, whether they want to now admit it or not, this has created an albatross that they're going to have to carry, like you said, at least for this next 45 days or until the, the next thing, until the next news cycle. Do you think, Dave, that they are so willing to believe that some other big story can take the attention off of this one? Do you think they believe that? Oh, not at all. They want
0: this to be the only story. And here's why. And and this will probably take us the balance of the program to flesh this out in such a way that it can be really put all the pieces together. Donald Trump is the most important player for the progressive Democrat party right now in American politics. They need Donald Trump. They want Donald Trump. They want Donald Trump on the front page of every newspaper. They want Donald Trump in the minds of every voter who goes to vote in the congressional races. They want Donald Trump people to believe that when you vote for a progressive Democrat candidate, you are voting against the evil orange man, Donald Trump. And as you can tell, he's clearly a criminal. After all, we raided his home. I mean, he may as well have been Whitey Bulger or Al Capone. Uh, Donald Trump has got all kinds of problems. He is a anti-American source. He is an authoritarian He is a dictator. He is the bad guy. And we are after Donald Trump. And and that makes us noble and good. And therefore, we should have your votes because Donald Trump is bad. This is a political statement. This is a ploy. And it's essential for them because right now, the Democrat Progressive Party in the United States is facing the loss of that which is most precious to them. And it's not the White House. What is most precious to them is control of the House and the Senate. They understand that the Congress is, as Hamilton described in the Federalist Papers, a vortex of power. They understand that all of the money that flows from the federal budget and all of the lobbying dollars that accompany it and all of the consulting money and media money that follows comes from congressional action. They want to control Congress far more than anything else in the world. And right now, putting Donald Trump front and center enables them to rally their voters against Trump in races where Donald Trump has been having success across the country in endorsing candidates, and Trump supporters have been moving people into public office. Now, again, I am not a fan of Donald Trump. I have never endorsed Donald Trump. Our organization will not endorse Donald Trump. It doesn't matter to us what the name of the person is we're talking about. Uh, This could be Richard Nixon come back to life. It doesn't make any difference. This is politics, and politics is power. Power is money and control, and the Democrats are not stupid. The progressive Democrats understand that controlling the United States Congress is the single most important thing that they can possibly do for every issue they care about, and to get paid. The other thing, Mike, is that Donald Trump makes progressive Democrats boatloads of money. There is no one on the horizon and no subject on the horizon that makes them more money than doing direct mail and advertising for their many, many satellite organizations talking about Donald Trump. yeah, He is a cash cow for the left. The more he's in the news, the more money they make. And so this is a, look, from a political strategist perspective, credit where credit's due. It's brilliant strategy on their part. It's exactly what they need. And they are desperate because they look to be uh, losing the House of Representatives and quite possibly losing the Senate. And that means for that the last two years of Joe Biden's presidency, he will have no ability to pass anything as far as any initiative whatsoever. Now, the strategy and the Democrats will be, will to blame the party of no and say that Joe Biden was really doing well? right before the 2022 election. He was passing all this wonderful stuff and everything was going his way and then the Republicans shut this down. You see the narrative, Mike? You see what they're doing. These people are strategic planners. They war game this stuff out every day with their overnight polling data that they take every night somewhere in the country. They're mapping this out like people playing a a board game. And all of this is designed to 2024. It's to minimize their losses in 2022 and at all costs not let those losses continue into 2024. And right now, Donald Trump is business, and Donald Trump is good for business if you're a Democrat progressive in this country.
1: Well, it doesn't hurt the fact that they've got the megaphone of the United States mainstream media that's getting all of their word out for them and happy to do so.
0: Well, and that's a part of the strategy as well, and that gets into the next piece of the puzzle. Now, so this is all about Donald Trump right now. It's all about politics. But here's the, the twist. Here's the strategy, the long-term play. And I'll set this up. I know we got to go to break. But let, let the long-term play is this. It's Trump today, DeSantis tomorrow. The premise is this. The polling numbers are crystal clear. That Donald Trump galvanizes not just the Democrat voting base, which is not enough to win an election, but Donald Trump galvanizes all of the massive money players and all of the massive media players in the progressive regime. Nobody unifies them like Donald Trump. So if Donald Trump is the nominee of the Republican Party, the Democrats have their best chance of taking him on all together. Now, that's a scenario that's very powerful and very important, the unanimity of our team against their team, so to speak. However, if Donald Trump's not the nominee, the progressives are in trouble because they've got to field a real candidate. They know they beat Donald Trump with Joe Biden working out of his basement. They believe they can do it again. They're not so sure they'd have a chance of pulling that off with with Governor DeSantis. Wow.
1: And I've talked to a lot of people who are really hoping that uh, DeSantis will not run, but a good number of my friends who are here in Florida that are uh, observers of this, they're thinking he will, that he is going to. If that's true, and he does, uh, wouldn't in some ways what the Democrats have done right now with this this stunt, this political stunt of the raid at Mar-a-Lago, wouldn't it, wouldn't it kind of come back and backfire on them? Ah.
0: That's the perfect question.
1: And, and how much time do we have? About okay. three minutes in this segment. Three minutes.
0: That's the perfect question, Mike, because here's what's really going on. The Democrats are trying to freeze out Ron DeSantis. Number one, they don't think they can beat him. And they're very afraid to try because to beat DeSantis, they have to come up with an energetic ticket that can counter his uh, DeSantis' success in Florida as well as the philosophical affinity voters have for his policies. They've got a real problem if it's Ron DeSantis, but Ron DeSantis has a real problem getting into the race. He's running for governor right now, so he can't declare today. That would be that would be dishonest. He's running for governor, and that's what he's saying. He's running for governor, so he's got to get elected in November. Then he's got to get inaugurated in January, and then we're in legislative session here in Florida uh, until several months into the new year. And so it would be inappropriate for him to announce for the presidency in the midst of a legislative session. So maybe DeSantis can announce as early as March, but not much before that, March, April, May, which would be normal for a presidential campaign. So he, right, he cannot jump early. He can't get there. He can't get there. Now, at this stage in the game, everything you're seeing right now and the reason for provoking Trump by the progressive Democrats is first to mitigate their losses in 2022 then second to force Trump to announce early because he's so enraged by what's going on. And the momentum and the blowback is so strong that they're baiting him into the race ahead of DeSantis. By doing that, he makes DeSantis's opportunities halved because to win the nomination, he's got to convert over the Trump contingency, which is going to be very, very expensive to do, very difficult to do. So they've already pushed and frozen DeSantis out. He can't do anything before March. Now Trump's in. Now he's got a, the, the, the hill is twice as high as it was, and ultimately that probably means that DeSantis does not run, or he runs in as the vice president, which again gives the progressives the opportunity to focus 100% of their firepower on Trump, whom they believe they can beat because they will have total. Unanimity across the Arabella Advisors, across Soros, Podesta, Zuckerberg, Silicon Valley, Hollywood, um, and all the media, giant media conglomerates will all come after Trump and they believe they can beat him. That's what's going on right now. That's exactly what's happening with what happened at Mar-a-Lago.
1: Wow. Now, okay, hold that thought because I'm going to be asking you a question. uh, And with that context, when we get back from break, uh, I want to know uh, how that is going to weigh out when you look at the popularity that the president, the former president, still has to this day. I want to see how all of that comes together. My guest today, Dave Zanotti from the Public Square. And my goodness, hold on to your seat, folks. This one is a rocker. We'll be right back after this break. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the parade of homes. Get a free design consultation today. Abilitywoodflooring.com On the line with me right now is Dave Zanotti from the Public Square. And you know, Dave, when I think about all of this that's going on, I have a hard time getting my brain around all of this stuff because you feel like you're almost going to hyperventilate from the way things happen. And now this latest thing with uh, Merrick Garland having a press conference and basically the White House distancing themselves from him, and they're acting like, hey, we didn't know anything about that. We didn't have anything to do with this, Ray. We didn't know it was happening. It just makes me crazy. And I'm wondering how all of this is going to end.
0: Yeah, it's real interesting because the comparisons between how Jim Comey handled the Clinton um Questions on emails and classified data and servers, etc., and how Comey was very careful to say he presented all the charges, which surely sounded like prosecutu- pro that that surely sounded like charges that you could prosecute, and then said no prosecutor would, and we don't want to mess up an election. So you have this completely different scenario, uh, which looks exactly the same, and and people can see through that. And and they're going. This just doesn't. This just doesn't make any sense. And it. The reason this is frightening is, you know, people say, "Well, we want a Merrick Garland saying no one is above the law." Of course, that's true, and we we know that, uh, and and we want that, and we believe that, and I hope that Merrick Garland actually believes that. But on the other hand, presidents are supposed to be treated differently because they have constitutional responsibilities that no one else has. So there with the job goes a certain amount of necessary protocol to protect our system of government and our standing in the world. And what's happening right now is the hallmark of America, the idea that all people are created equal and are entitled to equal protection under the law, doesn't make sense. It doesn't look right. You have a political party, a president, former opponent, exercising extreme measures over paperwork to a political opponent, and the whole world watching. Now, it, look. This 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 isn't a cartoon. This isn't an Avengers movie. Okay. This isn't a joke. This isn't not necessary. And it bothers people. It troubles us. And it certainly sends a message that America is such a divided nation that we will throw caution to the wind, let alone protocol precedents and and just simple fairness. And we will attack each other uh, in a political fashion at this level. It, it, It sends a glaring invitation to our enemies that now's a really good time to hit America because Americans are so divided. They're eating each other alive right now. Now's a great time to hit them because they're very weak.
1: They're not watching the radar screens for us. They're too busy fighting themselves.
0: There you go. And especially for the smaller terrorist-driven, America-hating uh, countries that are out there. Th- this is not good. This is not smart. It's just not smart. It's not for the common good.
1: I- I'm really oh, glad you man. brought up Comey a while ago because you know you made the statement, and it's true, that, that y- they are saying things like, no man is above the law. No man is is able to just go out and break the law at will. And yet, doesn't it seem like that's happening right now with things like what Comey did when he makes that statement that uh, just because he said no prosecutor would prosecute this case, this evidence? I mean, I get the feeling that's (laughs) almost... Last time I checked, Comey wasn't a
0: judge. He was working for the FBI when he made that statement. Yeah. How would he know that? He seriously experienced... But that's a subjective opinion. You're not getting paid for subjectivity. You're being paid to do the right
1: thing here. That's right. I mean, I get the feeling like, you know, this is from the Star Wars movie and that, you know, these aren't the droids you're looking for, you know? Well,
0: and since we're talking about Comey, he has admitted out loud that he broke the law and leaked confidential information to the media uh, that he never was permitted to leak it. And he's never been prosecuted for that for the purpose of forwarding further against investigations against people that Comey just didn't like or thought broke the law or politically not the ones he wanted. I mean, look, I understand that Donald Trump has ticked a lot of people off and he stands due to tick off a whole lot more if he stays in politics. I don't particularly care for his style. But you know what? I don't, who cares about my opinion about somebody's style? People should never vote for anybody based upon what I think or what I say. My opinions are my opinions and everybody's entitled to their own. That's America, that's what makes America great. But the second thing that makes America great, and there's a lot of them on the list, is the fact that we used to be a free country where you could say what you wanted and people would respect the fact you had the right to say it.
1: And you were presumed to be innocent until proven guilty.
0: Yeah, and when you treat the President of the United States, who in a degree is above the law when it comes to classification of documents, You see, the president can singularly, without any act of Congress or the courts, declassify records of the United States government. He has that power as the commander-in-chief. So when you're dealing with a president, he is above the law to a degree. No one else has that power. And so when you're dealing with the president of the United States, you have to have a degree of decorum and communication because... For all they know, some of the things that have been declassified might be in there and they might not have their paperwork straight yet. They may think they are still classified. We don't know. In other words, it's not apples and apples, and they're trying to treat it that way. They know better than that, Mike. They know they're playing gotcha. Now, from a strategic viewpoint, I want to tell you something. I admire these guys because the progressive Democrats in this country are brilliant strategists and they have really fast getaway cars they know how to beat the system constantly and they do so
1: now when you say you Sometimes, admire them I just I I'm, I'm afraid that people are going to stop listening you you're not condoning what they do oh I, I condemn it wholeheartedly but I, I admire their effectiveness that's what I okay I just want to make sure thank you
0: thank you I should maybe perhaps admire isn't isn't I don't know what word to use I'm just telling you that they're really good at getting away with it Mike
1: yeah you got to hand it, really it to them good they at have. They seemingly have got the handle on that one. That's no doubt about it, man.
0: And the, sh- the sad thing is, is we're kind of the dopey people in this regard. We keep letting them get away with it. Now we're catching up to them. Right? We're getting smarter and people are very, very frustrated. And I want to be very careful for people to know this. Uh, we must never respond in kind. Never. We must never do to them what they did to us. It is never an excuse to say, Hillary Clinton did this, therefore Donald Trump can do that. Never. Never. A Christian mindset says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We are to make room for God to ultimately judge. We are to forgive our enemies. We are to pray for those who despitefully use us. We are to expose evil. We are to resist it according to the law and we are to overcome evil by doing good. So having this conversation is thoroughly biblical in exposing what we believe is a a conspiracy in plain sight and and with the words of the very people who are saying it. Merrick Garland has owned this. He owned it before the country. He signed the warrant. Now he stands up for review. But he does a four-minute talk and walks off the stage and answers no questions. What opportunity do we have but to talk to one another? Because he won't talk to us. And so this idea that they are above the common responsibility of communicating with people, either because they think they can manipulate us or they think we're stupid, or maybe it's both. But you know what? The American people are not stupid. They're not stupid.
1: Yeah, I was listening last night uh, on our station on the Shepherd, Eric Metaxas, and he often has John Smirnack on. And John brought up the same point that I brought up with you on Tuesday, that he believes that there's a possibility that there could be a document that was not at Mar-a-Lago that could have been planted. Now, there are people, you know, there are people that would have the, the lowdown to do that, that would have the gall to do that. And that is a concerning thing now, because if we don't think that these people are playing correctly, if they're breaking the law in what they're doing, my question is, could that not happen? And apparently he believes that it could happen. In fact, may well happen. Well, (laughs) at this
0: stage in the game, with the evidence that we've been given and the tight-lipped nature and the fact that people are having to now sue, I understand a number of organizations have sued on a freedom of information to have the uh, affidavit unveiled to the public. And one of the major, I think I think it was the New York Times, has also joined in the complaint before the court to unveil the affidavit so we can all look and see what's in the box. That's been from the beginning. What's in the box? What's in the affidavit? Now we know one thing we didn't know when we spoke last, which is who signed for the warrant. And that is Merrick Garland, Garland the Attorney General of the United States. The very fact that this was signed off at his desk tells us This is a major question. Now, when we started this conversation, you asked me, are we in a constitutional crisis? This was in our very first discussion. At that moment, we weren't. We were in a adolescent temper tantrum of political partisans. Now that Merrick Garland has owned signing off this warrant, that means the Attorney General of the United States has done it himself. Now that means the executive branch is moving against a former president of the United States and violating potentially his civil rights. At that stage in the game, if that's being done for political purposes, we are in a constitutional crisis.
1: Uh, would you have anticipated that Garland would do what he did?
0: I, I Forgive me, but I guess I always presume that people are smarter than sometimes they prove. And a man who was actually the number one selection to be on the Supreme Court of the United States, chosen by Barack Obama, I thought would never, ever, ever get involved in this kind of of prosecutorial mess this is a nightmare now Merrick Garland was a circuit judge for the United States Court of Appeals uh, he he has he has been in the legal business his whole life he knows how the game is played he's surrounded by world-class lifetime career experts there is no excuse for them to mess this up none except political expediency Donald Trump is their moment of opportunity. They firmly believe that using Donald Trump as a punching bag or as a chew toy impacts every election that's involved for the good of the progressive Democrats. Now, that's a lot of weight, and it appears that the Attorney General's Office of the United States is involved in a political prosecution.
1: Mm -hmm. And do you believe that that being the case which now he's owned that and that doesn't the fact that he was the one that signed off on it really doesn't change the matter of their need to bring this out because that's still that's still uh, something that's r- the right of the american people to know through the, the the processes that we've talked about processes that we've talked about now that being the case do you believe that he is going to own without any further ado do you think he's going to own the outcome if if it's found out that there's nothing in the box he, well
0: now that's a perfect example if he if exactly right there's going to be a fall guy now he's planning to be the fall guy now <laughs> that being said the strategy may exist also partially to trap people like you and me and other people in media who are not owned by the political parties because if inside that box and it can be proven that it was in the box when they got it or in the home there are documents that are grave violations of confidentiality and, and 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 national security threats if the president of the united states has is is protecting illegally documents or harboring documents illegally and and this is a very serious serious matter though it's really hard to imagine what that could be but if in fact there are um, clearly a top secret information. If this is an abuse of power uh, by President Trump that has not been addressed, then we got to come back and say, okay, Garland had the right to get it and he got him on the goods. So now the president's got to give that stuff up. Okay, uh, I, I get it. Let's be careful, though. It's still just paper. It's still just paper. It's not like he's got the nuclear codes in there and he's ready to put them on Craigslist. Okay. I mean, you got to be realistic here. It's still
1: paper. And why are they avoiding uh, releasing all this information if they've got the goods? That's the, uh, I guess, the real big question. Why are they dragging their feet, so to speak, if they indeed have everything that they said they knew was there? Because we're talking
0: about it, and so is every other
1: media outlet
0: around the country, and that makes
1: Democrat consultants
0: and candidates money. It gives. Energy to failing Democrat candidates running for the House because Donald Trump is now the chew toy and the subject of of conversation out on the campaign trail for the House and Senate races. It plays for them politically with money and theme and energy. And there you go. So if a candidate's running in in district uh, uh, district X in state Y. And that person's had Donald Trump come in and speak for them, and that person said that he supported the, the presidency of Donald Trump. Now, all of a sudden, the answer that comes up in the town hall meeting or on the campaign trails: "Oh, will you mean that crook from Mar-a-Lago that got that got flagged down by the FBI that, that that stole all these documents?" They're changing the subject from losing to fighting. Wow.
1: Now, I guess that is assuming that people <laughs> across America believe. That the president is guilty when we have, I uh, just lots and lots of evidence that at least half of the country or close to half of the country would would still vote for him if he were running on the election today.
0: Oh, but Mike, if Garland's got the goods in the box, think of how juicy it's going to be next week when he has a news conference that say it and says, "See, I told you what was in the box." The pre- so so it th- they either got caught halfway into a cooked strategy or they've got another shoe that's going to drop. But again, there's an awful lot of people looking at this saying, Mr. Attorney general, um, at the end of the day, it's still a piece of paper. It's still a piece of paper and you're still fighting for the national archives. The last time I checked, there weren't a lot of people planning a vacation to the national archives there weren't a lot of National Archives stories in the news. The National Archives is important. I got it. It's not, but, but it's, sir,
1: it's paper. It just seems like a game that was way overplayed.
0: Might be, Mike. We might. They might have overplayed their hand, which tends to be... <sighs> what happens when progressives get desperate. So maybe we should talk about why they're desperate.
1: All right, we're going to do that when we come back. My guest is Dave Zanotti from the Public Square. It's always a uh, rocket ride when he's with us, and I feel like I'm uh, on the edge of it right now. My goodness, where will this take us? This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will
0: help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free
1: consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. Back for segment three with Dave Zanotti. And I'm, you know, this whole thing, Dave, since we've been talking about this, it's real hard for me, you know, that whole thing of the brain getting going faster than the mouth can keep up. (laughs) And at times when I'm trying to think through how to articulate some of the frustration that I feel, uh, part of what I still have not got worked out yet in our discussion is this whole thing of the rule of law. And the whole, uh, the, the whole process that happens with people who, uh, if anybody should be keeping the law, it would be the Attorney General, for crying out loud, of the United States. And yet it seems that uh, at least uh, some evidence would be questioning whether or not a decorum was kept, a legal decorum was kept, uh, legal steps were followed in this process, and there's a great chance, at least... It seems like there's a great chance that those steps were not followed. And what happens now? Where's the accountability for the attorney general of the United States? And that's my question to you to start off this segment. Is there such a thing as accountability with these people?
0: Well, first off, the president has divorced himself in this proceeding from the attorney general and the attorney general from the White House. They have already done this. And it was fascinating watching the orchestrated dance the Attorney General announces to the White House at 1.30 and to the media that they're going up live at 2.30. The White House claims it had no prior notice whatsoever. So suddenly it's time at 2.30 Eastern time for Merrick Garland to talk and he's 40 minutes late. About halfway into that 40-minute wait, the White House issues a statement wanting everyone to understand that they had no prior notice to what the Attorney General was about to say and they don't know what he's going to say. In other words, you can just see them basically going... Uh, not me, not me, not me. Okay. They're playing hot potato. So it's clear that there are both political and legal ramifications in everything. They have stepped into a minefield because now everybody's watching. They wanted everybody to see. Now everybody's watching and everybody's asking
1: more detailed questions. Now that's a, that's a real great analogy. Let's, let's build on that for a moment. Okay. They've stepped into a minefield of their own making, Now, the the next question is, did they anticipate the fact that, oh, when you step into a minefield, you got to be careful where you step, and you might actually get damaged here in the process? Do you think they had thought it through to that degree?
0: One of the difficulties in the world of political strategizing with professional consultants, and you have to understand, Mike, that a lot of these strategies have to be done off-site because you're not allowed to do politics in the White House or in the Justice Department. You have to be outside the building. There is a community of political consultants that ring the inner core of, of Washington, D.C. And so these conversations get played just outside the office. And sometimes when you're playing the game outside the office, um, outside the offices, and you're and you're basically war gaming these things, you underestimate certain pieces and parts. Uh, your perspective is a bit jilted. Now, you sometimes blow past those barriers because of desperation, and it is crystal clear that the progressive Democrats are desperate to minimize their losses in the upcoming midterm uh, congressional elections. The polling numbers are not great for them. They're very likely to lose the House of Representatives. They only hold about a five- to seven-vote margin now, um, depending on how you look at it. And uh, it's very, very easy to see where those numbers could change, and there's a pretty good chance they might change the, the balance uh, of, of the United States Senate as well, and they might lose their their tie, which gives them a controlling majority with the vice president. So this is a desperation move, This because if they lose control, it completely changes the last two years of Joe Biden's administration. That means if they lose control in the next 45 days when voting begins for this election, that by the time we get to January of next year, they'll already be dramatically diminished in the race for 2024, where Joe Biden has already dramatically diminished as a candidate just upon physical capacity. Now, he's not got a chance of winning anything for the next 18 months going into the election. And that means that they could not only lose the White House, but they could lose more seats in the House and the Senate. And remembering that it takes time to recover those seats. Elections are only held every two years. And the Senate is held every two years at one-third the seats. So a full Senate review takes six years or three election cycles. Losing the House and the Senate is not what they want to happen. And so they're willing to take some very serious risks.
1: And those risks do come, as all risks do, with some uh, potential failing pushbacks that will happen, and real dramatic losses. And it's stunning to me to think that this, uh, this going backwards and forwards, like you've said, in this orchestrated dance between the White House and the Department of Justice, uh, it, is, it is so very possible that, again, Merrick Garland has become the scapegoat, and you have to wonder, you know, these people, are they, if they're willing to hang this on him, and he's willing to take it. What? How will this end up playing out?
0: Well, right now he's already playing the victim. In his brief news conference this week, he uh, deflected half of his his comments toward nobody should be attacking FBI agents because they're the most noble people in the world, and 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 we need them, and none of our officers should ever be questioned or or brought up uh, up. And I, I started thinking about all the people in the last couple of years that work for the FBI who've become. Parts of major scandals. And I just sort of, I don't know, I don't know what universe the attorney general was living in at that moment, but that's, that's, that's another piece of the puzzle. Now I'd like to take just a couple of minutes, Mike, if we can, to explain to people that the answer to this problem is not vote Republican. That's not a good enough answer. The answer to this problem is for Americans everywhere to repent particularly for people of faith to acknowledge that our government has come to this level because for almost a hundred years, we have been delegating our personal responsibility for public service to political parties. And those political parties have built machines, and those machines have taken advantage of massive state and federal budgets that we the people have been willing to pay for with our hard-earned tax dollars. We have given these people a power base and a platform that is unprecedented in the history of our country. And then the media has picked sides. Now we're in a situation where to bring this together, we've got to pull down these kinds of strongholds, and they can't be pulled down with rhetoric alone. They can't be pulled down by saying, okay, the progressives are over here, so now let's all run to the other side of the boat and put all of our weight over here with the Republicans. Political parties can't save us. The Republican Party cannot save us. I heard a major speaker on Fox News the other day saying, now it's up for the Republicans to save us. God forbid that it could never be true. The Republican Party can't save us. I didn't say that. The Democrat Party can't save us. I didn't say that. Those kinds of words came from the mouths of George Washington and John Adams. Political parties can't save you. They don't exist to save the country. They exist to run it, to control it, for power. Now, they are in many ways necessary. And inevitably, we will organize at some level, but we must do so with the highest level of caution always.
1: And that's the whole thing about repenting. That's going to be true even on less busy news days. There's plenty of guilt uh, to go around to repent for. And i I know I feel it. Uh, I believe you're right. I believe we've You know, it's evidenced in the news media when you listen to the news media, when you listen to sound bites from some of our uh, senators and congressmen who will use words of America and speak of it only in terms of a democracy rather than a representative republic. It just goes to show how far our education and our real knowledge about the way this country was formed, how far down the ladder of real, true, intelligent understanding, it slid down that ladder. It's, it's out of the focus of most people that we are a republic. What does that mean to them? I don't know. Well, in, 19, in 1900, Mike, in, in the early 1900s,
0: the progressive movement was, was birthed with the work of Woodrow Wilson, whose intention was to move America off of its traditional Judeo-Christian principled founding and onto a Darwinian founding. This began, stated out loud, by a president of the United States. It took about 125 years from the founding era for people to wear out the founding era and for the progressive movement to come up to the place where they could take on the founding era and try to move it to a secular platform. And that platform was from its beginning designed to create an administrative state. Now we're about 125 years since that point in time and we have generations of people who have been raised up without ever understanding we the people, without ever understanding we hold these truths to be self-evident, without ever understanding Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, private property, all the fundamental principles that flow from the Old and New Testament revelation of transcendent truth. And we just think that you get up in America is a fist fight. It's just a game of politics. Now, there are people in this country who are 60 years of age and older who still are a very large voting block in this country, and they were not raised at the height of that environment. And so they still represent a threat to the progressive movement. Rather than wait them out 20 years for them to all die, they're trying to do everything they can to accelerate the time chart. But this much you can be certain of. If the progressive agenda succeeds, Mike, within 20 years, they will tell children in schools that America began in 1776, but it got a lot better and started over again in the 1900s, and that America is a progressive democracy. That's America 2.0. And it's far better than that thing that they did back in 1776. That Constitutional Republic, that was the first try. We started it over again in 1900, and look at where we are today. That's the goal. That's the dream. That's the lie that they're selling to children today and have been for two generations.
1: Well, add to that, they're adding to that 1776 period, words like racism and white supremacist and all of the the, the whole CRT Uh, theology that is being taught. Uh, This is definitely easy to see how people who aren't educated, who don't know the real American history, and who never really studied the original fathers, you can understand why they would think that.
0: Yeah, well, those original fathers and mothers knew what they were doing, Mike, and facts are stubborn things. The facts don't bear out any of the nonsense of the 1619 Project, critical race theory, and all of that stuff. The facts do not, and even historians who are serious leftists, have chastised that entire school of thought as not being fact-based. But the fact is that it's still being taught, and it's only a matter of time before they prevail in creating America over into a second image of a progressive democracy, unless we the people
1: come back the truth. We need the truth, don't we, Dave?
0: We need a transcendent ethic. It's the only way self-government works, because without God's help, we don't do a very good job at governing ourselves.
1: Well, I love what you said earlier, that the the first and best thing that all of us need to do uh, is to repent and to say, God, please have mercy. And I think if every one of our listeners, if every believer in this United States would begin to pray, would begin to uh, repent! I think of Second Chronicles seven. Uh, if my people, if my people who are called by my name, there's another. If my people uh, would humble themselves and pray, and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, we could hear from heaven, and that's what we need.
0: And Mike, when we get off our knees, we should stand up and serve in public life again and vote.
1: I love it. Dave Zanotti, it's always great to have you on. Thank you for the study that you put into this. It will be interesting to see how these scenarios that you've brought up, especially pertaining to DeSantis, uh, will play out. My goodness, these are wild times, aren't they? And,
0: Mike, if if we got it wrong and Merrick Garland is willing to show us what's in the box, I'll be the first person to stand up and say, yep, Garland had something. Yeah. I'll be the first one.
1: All right. Well, we'll, I guess time will tell, and maybe we'll be talking next week. Thank you for being with me again today, my friend. Thank you. It's a real privilege. Thank you. All right. God bless you. And friends, thanks for joining us for yet another show. We'll see you next time on Afternoons with Mike.